I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+. Brought to you by Sherm, a better workplace, a better world. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 177 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Today's main story? The pandemic has plunged the world into a global recession. But what does a post-COVID economy look like? But first, here's what happened in Virus News today. Scientists at the University of Washington forecast that deaths from COVID-19 in the U.S. are likely to more than double by the end of the year. The researchers predicted that the death toll would reach 410,000 by January 1, 2021. But, they said, that number could be cut dramatically with certain precautions. If almost everyone wears masks and governments with high death rates put social distancing measures in place, more than 100,000 deaths could be prevented in the U.S., and 770,000 lives could be saved worldwide. Danish drug maker Novo Nordisk is exploring whether a new class of medicines that helps people lose weight and control diabetes also has potential in fighting COVID-19. Research shows people afflicted by obesity and diabetes often fare worse with the disease. Now, new data shows GLP-1 drugs, which help patients keep blood sugar levels in check, could be a meaningful therapy in helping people with diabetes battle COVID-19, according to Novo Chief Scientific Officer Mads Krogsgaard Thompson. He pointed to evidence the virus attacks cells that produce the hormone insulin. Finally, the first peer-reviewed data on Russia's proposed COVID-19 vaccine show it has promise. In early trials, the drug induced an antibody response in all participants and found no serious adverse effects according to the first vetted data on the controversial project. Preliminary results from Phase 1 and 2 trials that were published Friday in The Lancet Medical Journal showed the vaccine also produced a response in T-cells, a type of white blood cell that helps the immune system destroy infection. Russian officials had previously made broadly similar statements about the shot, but there had been no review by outside experts. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+. Brought to you by Sherm, a better workplace, a better world. 
And now for today's main story. The global economy could lose up to $22 trillion in 2020 alone due to COVID-19. That's according to Australian economist Warwick McGibbon. He predicts that successive waves of coronavirus infections will mean the world will continue to count the cost of the pandemic for years. Bloomberg senior editor Jason Gale spoke with Professor McGibbon about his dire forecasts. He explains that the pandemic will result in lasting changes to the way we work, live, and interact. Warwick McKibben is a professor of public policy and the director of the Centre for Applied Macroeconomic Analysis at the Australian National University in Canberra. It was to Warwick who the World Health Organization turned to quantify the economic cost of SARS, or Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, when it spread across the globe almost 20 years ago. Back then, sickness and death were thought to be the biggest contributors to a contagion's economic cost because of their effect on labour productivity. But Warwick and his colleagues found that the behaviour of people and businesses in response to pandemics are bigger drivers. Um, We found the conventional cost of SARS, which was just how many people died and what was their foregone income, was really quite small. But when you took into account the change in people's spending behaviour and the way capital was relocating around the world, uh, we came up with an estimate of about $40 US dollars which is the official WHO estimate um, for the SARS uh, outbreak. According to Warwick's modelling, the COVID-19 pandemic may cost more than $40 billion a day. We estimate this outbreak is going to cost tens of trillions to the world economy. And it's actually not over, even once this pandemic is through. Warwick began looking at the coronavirus outbreak and what it might cost back in January, when it was just beginning to spread internationally. We wanted policymakers to understand that if they didn't react very quickly, that this was going to be a very, very dangerous and expensive disease, potentially. Warwick's analysis has been updated to take into consideration the actual spread since then. One of his models, the most pessimistic, sees the cumulative cost of COVID-19 topping $35 trillion through 2025. I asked him what the biggest cost will be with COVID-19. Number one is international trade has collapsed uh, and, the, and the movement of goods around the world has, has collapsed. Uh, the movement of people has collapsed. Very, there's a lot of human capital that's generated and distrib- distributed around the world with people moving across different countries for different types of jobs. Um, and that, that's, that's a big problem, for example, in India. Internally, we have a lot of people that are working in, in the cities have had, lost their jobs, so they've had to migrate back to the countryside and take the disease with them. So this mobility of people and goods is the biggest impact. He says the second biggest factor is the impact on confidence. People argue you shouldn't have shutdowns because if you had no shutdowns, there'd be no economic loss. Well, that's just not true. Um, in our study that we did, we looked at what happened to electricity use in Australia. We had very fine data um, from uh, one of the electricity companies, and, and we, we knew which which groups of companies had been closed by mandate and which were still operating, but their demand had shifted because of people's own preferences. And overwhelmingly, the change in economic outcomes is caused by individuals changing their behaviour, not because the government mandated the shutdown. So the shutdowns are there because there are a number of individuals that won't respond appropriately. To make the choice between do nothing and save the economy is a false false choice. Warwick says the loss of confidence is having impacts everywhere except in stock markets. Which in itself is an interesting problem. Um, and that's, I think, largely caused by central banks just flooding the world with liquidity. Uh, and, and people are putting that liquidity into buying equities. 
Plus, um, some companies have done very well out of this. In the meantime, he sees the current pandemic leading to significant change. I think the shift to working from home and the uptake of technology is everlasting. That's going to be long-lasting. There's going to be a lot of industries that are going to be restructuring. There'll be some industries that may cease to exist, especially if we never get an effective vaccine. But the other structural shift, I think, is um, the just-in-time technology, the just-in-time processing that we develop with all of these uh, chains for production. Uh, that's going to change. And uh, I think you're going to shift from just-in-time to just-in-case. Unemployment has surged across the globe as nations shuttered large parts of their economies. Warwick estimates the world economy has slumped by 10 to 20 percent. This is the biggest shock since certainly bigger than the Great Depression for some countries. If the structural shifts in the economy remain, a lot of people aren't going to be able to use their existing skills. You're going to have to retrain a lot of people to take up these new jobs. Um, you've had a lot of automation, so you've had a lot of jobs that were substituted away from um, either new techniques or, or machines. Um, and, and so those jobs won't come back. So you could have an economic recovery, but it's probably not going to have a, a, a job recovery at the same time. Warwick says that during the global financial crisis, the Group of 20 mobilised a very large fiscal response at the global level, saving a lot of economic loss. But the forum has been much less active in responding to the current crisis. There is no G20 response at this point. The leadership coming that came from the UK and came from the US and came from Australia, it's just not there. Suppose you actually coordinated a response so that countries like Brazil, Argentina, Indonesia, who need fiscal stimulus but can't because the financial markets won't allow it, what if you had got them the resources to do that? And the whole world is much better off. Warwick says a vaccine won't turn the economic outlook around anytime soon. I don't think you, you can physically have a vaccine that's going to, to be um, adoptable by 6 billion people <laughs> over the next two years. It's just practically impossible. So who's going to get it? Well, the elites will get it. Who's going to get it? Well, the rich countries will get it. Um, so, okay, if there's a vaccine tomorrow and you can give it to the wealthiest people in the country, why does that change the economic outcomes? It doesn't. You've got to get it into the into the population. You've got to get people out there interacting again. You've got to get businesses moving again. So you have to get a fair bit of quite a lot of the population vaccinated before the economic costs start to come down. You'll get, you'll get a surge in markets because people will say, oh, there's a vaccine and confidence will be restored. But it's hard to imagine that you know, the, the, the Dow can go much higher once a vaccine, if a vaccine is, is forthcoming, it's already pumped up by cheap money. As much as I enjoyed my chat with Warwick, it didn't fill me with optimism. As Warwick says, we're operating in a great deal of uncertainty. And that's why the policy framework is extremely important. And that's why communication is extremely important. Because you can't predict anything to do with this disease, except that it's going to be unpredictable, which is very helpful. Ah, uh, No. We're all desperate to know when we can safely return to our workplaces, when our kids can return to the classroom, when we can travel again. The reality is, for most of us, nothing is certain. And if the pandemic is teaching us anything, it's to embrace uncertainty or at least acknowledge it. That was Jason Gale. And that's it for our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Foreheads, Jordan Gaspure, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by Jason Gale. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Rick Shine and Francesca Levy. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, like, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+. Brought to you by Sherm, a better workplace, a better world.